0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Good morning, God bless you, and welcome to Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. You know, today we have a word that will fit you. The title of the message today is Chosen. How do I know it's going to fit you? Because you have been chosen we'll talk more about that in just a moment if you'll turn in your bibles to acts the 16th chapter uh, we're going to discuss something you know this week the lord said to me uh, what do you think is the biggest problem i am facing you know he actually put it in these terms as as he gave me this inspired thought early one morning what do you think is the biggest problem god is facing well, as you think about God's biggest problem today, turn with me again to Acts, the 16th chapter, and let's discover the message that God has for us today and how we are chosen by Him for such a time as this. The Apostle Paul was born Saul of Tarsus. Perhaps you've read this uh, throughout the book of Acts. And this young Saul of Tarsus, uh, he was raised in Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. And Tarsus is a city in the south-central near the coastline in what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, It was a Roman free city. And the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was born to Jewish parents in that free city. What is a free city? Well, a Roman free city was a city designated by the emperor, Augustus in this case, because Tarsus and the people of Tarsus had helped him to win a civil war. And so as reward for that city and for those patrons, uh, Augustus, uh, uh, he declared Tarsus a free city one of the benefits of being born in a free city or being a citizen of a free city is that you got roman citizenship and roman citizenship in the roman empire was of great value you know for example you know you could not be arrested or you know uh, uh, jailed or beaten you know you could not be beaten publicly but you could not be arrested or jailed or you know you, you uh, without due process Not everyone had rights in that day. Not every Roman citizen had the rights. You know, some Roman citizens could be arrested just for no reason, just because, you know, the the, the magistrates wanted to arrest them. They could be put in jail, they could be beaten, they could be fined, they could be crucified. But a Roman citizen could not be crucified. It was against the law. If you were a citizen of Rome, you had a right to a trial and you had a right to appeal. And you could appeal all the way up to Caesar. And uh, that would later play into Paul's life. Well, Paul was born to Jewish parents in about the year A.D. 5. He was born in this Roman free city and he was a Roman citizen by birth. And because of this, uh, he had rights, as I said, that other people don't have. You know, wouldn't it be terrible to live in a country where some people had rights and some people didn't? Well, that happens around the world today. In many respects, it's it's happened in our nation's history. You know, there once was a time whenever blacks did not have the same rights as whites in our nation. There was a time whenever there was a gender bias that women, for example, could not vote there once was a time whenever people's rights were in great disparity in fact today it's still that way Uh, just to mention unborn babies you know in the womb alive and even viable would be alive if they were born they don't have the same rights that the rest of us have but that's a topic for another day in Paul's day he had some rights because he was a Roman citizen but they were rare. The Apostle Paul was sent by his parents to Jerusalem as a young man, probably in his teen years. And he was sent to study the Jewish law under one of the most renowned Jewish teachers. His name was Gamaliel. And the Apostle Paul followed the Pharisaical sect of Judaism. He was zealous for the things of God and for the law of God. And the Apostle Paul excelled excelled in his studies under Gamaliel and became a Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, he would later claim that, you know, uh, man, there there was nobody more zealous for the law than I was. And so he was there during this time whenever the first church, you know, Jesus had been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, uh, spent 40 days, you know, teaching his disciples and appearing to many and doing many signs and wonders and then the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost the first church filled with believers converts from Judaism to being believers in Jesus Christ as Messiah this first church so powerful so prolific it began to grow it grew by thousands even on the day of Pentecost and later thousands more this church was strong and yet it was very controversial So controversial in fact that many Jewish zealots like the Pharisees and like the Apostle Paul in his school days, they became anti-Christian, anti-Christian. Believers in Christ. And the Apostle Paul made a name for himself in these days in that he began to persecute the church and those who believed in Jesus Christ. Any of the Jews who had converted to Christianity, the Apostle Paul and the group that he ran with and, 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 and the group that had power in Jerusalem that day, the religious group, they would persecute them, not only arresting them and testifying against them, but also participating, as the Apostle Paul did, in the public execution of people just because. They claimed that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, was the Son of God and Savior of the world. The Apostle Paul was quite zealous about persecuting these Jewish converts. And in about the year 34 A.D., the Apostle Paul is on his way to Damascus. He is now 29 years old. He's made a name for himself. He has the legal paperwork in his hand to find any of the Jewish converts to Christianity who lived in Damascus, to arrest them and to bring them back to Jerusalem bound uh, to stand trial. Well, as the Apostle Paul got close to Damascus, which you can read this account in the book of Acts, Jesus appeared to him. A voice from heaven, a great light, and Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, which was... His name at that time. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Wow. Jesus took it personally that Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was persecuting the church. Of course, the church is the body of Christ. And so there was a glorious conversion to Christ. There, Saul, later to be known as the Apostle Paul, He gave his heart and his life to Jesus. It changed him forever. He was born again. He was water baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he immediately began to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And there in Damascus, he began to teach that Jesus is Lord, Son of God, Messiah to the Jews and Savior of the world. Well, this didn't go over so well, but nonetheless, he continued To the rest of his life preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it cost him often, at great personal expense, to preach this good news. So much so that a few years later, you know, it it seems that the Apostle Paul finds himself in Philippi on the European continent. It's the year, oh, 51 maybe 52 and the apostle Paul is 46 years old maybe 47 he's been preaching now for 17 18 years he's gone through a lot of hardship and he's got a new disciple with him named Silas And so he and Silas have been preaching the good news in Philippi. They just got to the European continent bringing Christ to Europe and and they're preaching, you know, he's delivering people, he's sharing, he's bringing healing, he's bringing this good word and all of a sudden the people of the city, some businessmen over money, raise up a fuss about him, have him arrested along with Silas, publicly stripped naked, beaten and thrown into jail all for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, they're in jail. A very difficult situation. You know, he wasn't just in jail you know, uh, without pain. He had been beaten with rods, the Bible says, stripped naked in public, humiliated, which was against the law for a Roman citizen to be treated this way. There a mob drug him onto jail And they put him in the inner prison in the dark dungeon along with Silas. And there they were, the Bible says, with their feet in stocks, chained, in chains. And the Bible says that even though they had been so unfairly treated... Even though they had gone through such difficulty, even though neither of them deserved this, and even though what they were going through was, 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 was so wrong and so unfair, and, and they were locked away and, and you know, uh, you know, even separated from the other prisoners physically. They were in the inner dungeon, in the deepest, darkest part of the dungeon, in chains and their feet in stocks, no doubt bleeding and bruised and in pain, but... Well you know what they did if you've read the account if not let me encourage you to read the account it's a marvelous testimony what did Paul and Silas do in their midnight hour what did they do in the deep dark dungeon what did they do in pain what did they do when they'd been treated wrong when they were suffering something that that was so unjust What did they do whenever this government, these magistrates of of this city, of this community, of this region, what did they do whenever they had been treated so illegally and so unfair? The Bible says in Acts 16, have you found it? Acts 16 and verse 25. You have a picture of where they were now? Look at what the Bible says. In Acts 16 verse 25. But oh i love that word in the bible all throughout the bible you will see the word but david said many are the afflictions of the righteous he didn't just stop it there he said but the lord delivers them out of them all you know i love that but it just means wait it's not finished yet yes it's the midnight hour and they're in a deep, dark dungeon, and they're in pain, and they've been treated wrong, and they're suffering illegally, and, and, and you know, and, and but <laughs> at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They were praying and singing hymns to God. What were they doing in their midnight hour? in the most difficult moment that Silas had ever been in and one of the greatest dangers the Apostle Paul had ever faced. In their midnight hour, they were singing and praising God and praying to God. And look what else. The Bible says, and the prisoners were listening all the other people which in this case represents the whole world all of the other people were listening What are these Christians going to do now? They've been preaching a good God. They've been preaching faith. And they've been preaching trusting God. And they've been preaching that that God intervenes in the affairs of man. And they've been preaching that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life. And they've been preaching all of this power and authority and this good God. Well, what are they going to do now? (laughs) That's what you know. these religious zealots and accusers said to Jesus when he was on the cross you know if you're really that powerful you know you know what are you going to do now you know heal yourself get yourself down you know yeah there will always be those naysayers but in reality the prisoners are listening just like that roman guard was listening to jesus and he ended up saying this is the son of god well as paul and silas if you continue the account what a great testimony. Paul and Silas, in their midnight hour, the prisoners listening, what's going to happen now? And they heard Paul and Silas praying to their God. You know, you know, no doubt they were praying, God, Lord, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus was praying. That's the light most likely they were shining. God, help them, Lord, to see. Help them to know God. You see, God's biggest problem that day was not Paul and Silas being in prison. God's biggest problem that day was the fact that there were lost souls all around Paul and Silas who were listening who were listening to see what Paul and Silas, who had preached the good news, who had preached a salvation message, who had preached a risen Christ, what were they going to do now that they were suffering just like me? And they heard them not only praying, but they heard them singing praises to God. Wow. How in the world? Well, if you continue the count, you know what happened. God shook the earth and shaking the earth, it released the chains of Paul and Silas. It opened up the prison doors. It released the chains of all the prisoners and it set them free. How amazing is that? I I would say that's pretty amazing. I would say that the prisoners saw something and heard something and experienced something different that night than they had ever experienced before. That would not have happened had not Paul and Silas, in the midst of their common suffering with these other prisoners, if they had not taken that higher road to pray and to sing praises, to turn it over to God, to trust Him, you know, to call upon His name. You know? Well, it ends up, of course, that the prisoners were so impacted by that moment that not one of the prisoners ran out of the prison. Why? Because they wanted to hear more, of course. And not only that, but the jailer who came in, he and his whole household were born again. No doubt all the prisoners. And this started the church in Philippi. A jailer and a bunch of ragtag common prisoners who all were a part of a miracle that night because two men who were born again understood that these prison bars cannot hold my spirit down praying and singing praises to God let me tell you the prisoners are listening today they're all around you and they're listening to you the apostle peter some 20 years after this in about the year AD 6162 would write this listen to what he says in 1st peter 2:9 But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own special people. That you should proclaim the praises of him. Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. (laughs) You're chosen. That's exactly what God did. He chose every one of those prisoners. He's chosen you, and He's chosen your neighbors. He's chosen people all around you who are yet in prison, who are yet in chains. (laughs) And what is our part in this? Our part, even in the midst of unjust moments, in the midst of injustice, in the midst of being treated wrong or perhaps in the midst of being in some common difficult situation with people in the world. Nonetheless, we are chosen, a royal priest of the holy nation, and we are chosen to proclaim, to show Christ to others, to show Jesus to others. (laughs) That brings us to our first point today. We have two points today. The first point, number one, You are chosen. You are chosen. Okay? That's the reality of it. Point number one. How do we know that? Because John chapter 15 verse 16 says, Jesus speaking, you did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask The Father in my name, he will give it to you. You are chosen. You didn't choose him, he chose you. And he chose you to bear fruit. Point number two today. Not only are you chosen, but you are chosen to show Jesus to a lost and a dying world. To show the Jesus on the inside of you. That's what Colossians says in chapter 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, as the chosen of God, therefore, Paul writes, as the chosen of God, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any has any complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And then the book of Colossians chapter 3 continues to tell us things that the elect do. Ways that the elect think and ways that the elect act. There's a certain way that we should live and think. There's a certain way we should speak because we're chosen. And we're chosen, number one, we're chosen. Number two, we're chosen to proclaim, to show Christ to others. You may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. And how shall anyone, how shall the lost know Christ? How shall those in prison see Jesus if they don't see him in us? How shall the lost See Jesus if they don't see Him in me. Well, as I asked earlier, what do you think is the biggest problem that God is facing today? Well, number one, it's the salvation of lost souls. And whatever God's biggest problem is, you know, that's what I want to be working on. I don't want to be working on anything else today. Fortunately, God has made it so that many of us, me included, I don't have a great big personal problem that I'm having to deal with today. So that is a great indication that God has given me some time to work on His biggest problem. Since I'm not having to spend a lot of time working on my big problem, I have time to help him work on his. How can I help him bring people to Christ? By being that person, holy, filled with tender mercies, with kindness, humility, meekness, and with patience. By bearing with others. By being the voice, praying and praising God in the midst of the common Difficulties that the world is facing. May the world hear Christ and see Christ in you. Because the prisoners are listening. You are chosen. You're chosen to show Jesus to a lost and a dying world. The prisoners are listening. All around you. People need what you have. And you know what Jesus will do? If you will dare to let your light shine, to begin to pray and sing praises in your midnight hour, this can take place whenever you're talking to other people. Just in conversation, whenever they're sharing all of their difficult moments and, and, and they know you're going through the same difficult moments, begin to sing the praises of Jesus. I mean, you may not literally sing a song, but begin to sing his praises. Begin to lift him up and begin to talk about how wonderful he is and all the wonderful things that he's doing. Begin to lift him up. And he said this, I, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He will. He'll do his part if we do our part. It's not the harvest that is lacking. It's the laborers, Jesus said. Let's be laborers in the harvest. Let's help God with his biggest problem today.